Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Gluttony Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. Hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Just so excited about our guest on the show today, uh, Rick Hurst. He's an actor who's been in tons of movies and TV shows. You may know him best as Deputy Cletus Hogg on the greatest television show ever produced. Of course, I'm talking about the Dukes of Hazard. How are you, Mr. Hurst? <laughs> well, after that introduction, I feel much better. Well, I mean, I thought cameras were invented to film the Dukes of Hazard, as far as I was concerned. Right. Man, that was um, it back in the day. You know, still is to me. <laughs> yes, sir. I, uh, I agree with you. We yeah. are... Every one of us on the cast has always been just felt so lucky so that we got to be on that show. I mean, my goodness, how many actors, first of all, get to have a job that lasts more than a week, and second of all, get to be on a series that, you know, has lasted for 40 years. It's part of Americana. You know, before we get into talking about Dukes and whatnot, I want to ask you, because it's so timely... You have lost a friend, Kelly Preston. That was John Travolta's wife, and I understand you and you knew her. Indeed, she was a, a very, very good friend. She had been over here to my house uh, several times. I was married to my wife Shelley. We um, got to know her through uh, another actress, uh, a lady named Mary McDonough who was on Walton's Mountain. We, um, we were friends with Mary, and um, Kelly was, was just such a bright, bright light, um, and such a gentle soul. I mean, everything about her was beautiful, inside and out. She had such a wonderful view of life, and she lived her life to the fullest, and we... Um, we got to share some amazing things, actually, during that time. Um, Mary and, and us and Kelly and several other people were were pretty interested in metaphysics and paranormal things, along with just our basic religion and so forth. But sure. we got to share some, some very spiritual stuff, which was a blessing. Uh, it, was a, it was a really... Special, special time. Well, she will be missed, I am I, I am sure. The, the internet has been lit up with her name all week. <laughs> she is a, she was loved the world over, definitely. Indeed, indeed. And she really set the bar high with overcoming all the things that she did in her own life to remain the pure and and, and genuine very genuine lady. What you saw is what you got. You know, really? There was no, no phony baloney there. She <laughs> was just 100% down to earth and a real human being. That's always great to hear. How I got to wonder, how did you first get interested in acting? Were you in like school plays or something back in, the, back in those days? Yes. And it's funny you ask because actually the very first thing I ever did, I guess was when I was about five or six years old, acting kind of tapped me on the shoulder, literally. I was at the library, the Houston Library. I was 
raised in Houston, Texas, and I was, one summer I was at the library with my mom, and I was looking in one section, and she was looking in another, and I get a tap on the shoulder, and this man says, hi, uh, I'm so-and-so, and we want to make... <laughs> We want to make a commercial about the Houston Public Library, and we'd like you to be in it. I go running to my mom and I say, hey, Mom. Uh, and she, I'm all excited, and she says, okay, what did you do now? <laughs> and I said, actually, uh, this man, and I filled her in, and we we did a commercial for the Houston Public Library, and my pay was a chocolate soda. What a deal. <laughs> Do you remember, um, well, he was he was a, a neighbor of mine. He was the brother of a uh, uh, very good friend of mine. And Andy Warhol, he was Andy Warhol's producer, and his, later in life, this man, Freddie Hughes, was Andy Warhol's producer and, and confidant and produced all his movies and stuff. So... Um, Freddie Hughes decided he wanted to do a play in Boyd Copeland's garage. And so at about 10, <laughs> my first stage appearance was in a garage in Houston, Texas. Oh, my gosh. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And uh, I don't remember which dwarf I was, but it was <laughs> probably, it might have been grumpy. I'm not sure. Either that or. You were one of the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> Do the seven dwarves only have to stay three feet apart? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Very good. Oh, well. God. You never know. That's, that's very clever. Plays in church. and um, But my, and then what happened was I wound up doing a lot through the Boy Scouts. Uh, in the Boy Scouts, they have a, a, an organization. It's kind of like an honor society called the Order of the Arrow, and it's all uh, American Indian themed and all of their ceremonies are scripted so i did a lot of um ceremonies through the boy scouts and that led to me doing a play or actually taking a theater class in high school because i had a crush on this girl cindy right. yeah that's how that goes <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> she was actually she was actually the daughter of the instructor of cecil pickett who had many famous uh People come through Bel Air High School, Randy Quaid, Dennis Quaid, uh, Tommy Tin, and ironically, Cindy Pickett wound up out here, and not too long ago, did a, a guest star on that TV show, Medium, in which my son Ryan was also in it. It is a small <laughs> world, isn't it? We're talking with Rick Hurst. He played Cletus on the Dukes of Hazard. And, uh, you know, I know that I've seen some people post, like, YouTube clips of you in commercials in the 70s. Do you remember doing any big commercials back then? i tell you, Scott, um, they were, at that time in Hollywood, they were the mainstay for actors. You know, they, they were what you made your living on while you waited to get jobs on TV shows and films. Um, well, I'll toot my own horn here a little bit. Uh, there was a two-year period there where I did 146 national commercials in two years, so that breaks down to about three national commercials a month. That's a lot. And that's a bunch. And 
that was I only found that out because my agents one day totaled it up and told me that. What kind of products? Um, everything you can imagine. Cars, shaving cream, cereal. I did a lot of food because I my cheeks, the puffy little cheeks, <laughs> real good behind food. Uh, Pillsbury Doughboy, Dodge, um, breads. <laughs> I hope you were getting free samples. Well, no, they were very stingy with that. Except, <laughs> uh, I have to take that back. You know, they were very, very stingy with the food, but they were generous with golf clubs. I did. Um, several commercials for uh, Spalding Top Flight Golf Balls, and uh, they sent me and my wife uh, at the time a catalog and just said, pick out whatever you want. Oh, I remember catalogs. They were fun. They were more fun than the oh. Internet, I thought. Yeah, indeed. So we got some free golf balls, and uh, that was a great job. We got to go to their trade show down in Florida and meet a bunch of clients and stuff, and it was fun. It's kind of cool. We we got about a minute here on this segment. I'm going to ask you real quick, though. It's odd that you played a police officer on Sanford and Son years before you would be Deputy Cletus Hogg. Indeed. Wasn't that something? <laughs> I mean, well, from one police officer to another. Well, that's there, true. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Romine. Uh, but I did have uh, a lot of, I played a lot of cops along the line in, in Love American style and Partridge family. And uh, I'll tell you a story when we come back about uh, what happened on the uh, Sanford something. Oh, I got to hear. I got to hear about that. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back with Rick Hurst from the Dukes of Hazard here on Guatney Unplugged. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine, brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine, brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, Scott Romine here. We're having a great time talking with Rick Hurst. He played Cletus on the Dukes of Hazard, and he was on all kind of shows uh, in the 70s and 80s. You, you were talking about playing police officers prior to playing Cletus Hogg. True, true. I, I played police officers in commercials, too. We were talking about commercials earlier. I did a lot of, <clears throat> I did quite a few police officers in, in those. But, um, one of my first jobs was, in fact, uh, on Sanford and Son. Now, I know you're having Lamont on later on your show. He actually canceled today. We oh, had him man. booked, and he actually sent me a message that said, uh, my show doesn't fit his current intellectual maturity level. Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to just respond and put, you big dummy! <laughs> so yeah. you know i sure appreciate well, you coming on the show but i i guess i'm just not intellectually not all there i don't know you know i'm just trying to have fun on the radio <laughs> <laughs> well my stars i i'm 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 ashamed to say i do get intellectually stimulated by hey you, you know i know Maybe right ball, ball easily so, entertained <laughs> 
Was it kind of uh was it kind of like nerve wracking being kind of an unknown starting out and you're going on Doris Day and all these big yeah. shows? I'd be nervous about that. Well, yes and no. Um, at the beginning, yes, you have to learn how a, a film set works, and, and that can be a little. Uh, there's a learning curve involved there. You have to learn, you know, what to do and what not to do, and and those kind of things. Because most of my experience up until coming out here was on stage, and that's where you learn to act. But out here, you have to learn how to film. So it's a um, that was a learning curve, but. Uh, about Sanford and Son, what was propitious about that uh, experience early on was that it was directed by a man named John Rich, very a genius with comedy directing. He had directed the Dick Van Dyke Show, he had directed All in the Family, and he happened to direct the episode of Sanford and Son that I was on. And then um, years later. He cast me in a show called On the Rocks, where instead of playing a police officer, I played a convict. <laughs> there you go. That's well-rounded. Yes. And he was a great guy. He was a mentor for me out here. In fact, uh, On the Rocks was actually a British import from a show that had been hit in, in Britain and England called Grey Bar Hotel. And... Um, then later we did a pilot with John Rich for a show called Steubenville, which is also a British import. And um, we made a pilot, but it didn't get picked up. Anyway, John Rich was someone that I was very happy to come away from San Francisco knowing he was he was quite a guy. Hey, uh, a couple of weeks ago we had William Sanderson on from Newhart. You know, I'm yeah. I'm Larry, and that's my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl, and you did an yeah. episode of New Heart, I believe. Uh, you've done your homework. It's I try. Big, yes, indeed, you sure did. Uh, it was an episode where they had to go out of town and stay in a motel. For the reason I don't remember exactly, but I do remember setting up an army cot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> They in their room because they had too many people for uh, Ben beds, um, and he was a he was a treat. Uh, Bob Newhart was just absolutely uh, a mensch. He was down to earth and very very kind, very humorous, very very funny. Oh, guy. what a guy! Had without to be. having, without trying to be, he was just you know one of those naturally funny guys. You know, Rick, you did like a Gunsmoke, you did a Kojak. Was there any shows that you worked on where maybe you were in a show with a real well-known actor, but you just didn't get the opportunity to speak to or interact with that you've regretted? Well, that's a good question. Never been asked that before. <laughs> um, well, as a matter of fact, Gunsmoke was one such case. Um it was the first episode in a, in a new season for Gunsmoke, and I played a bad guy who robbed a stagecoach. And the um, um, name of the episode was Kitty's Love Affair. So on the stagecoach was uh, the lady who was playing Kitty, and also the guest star was Richard Kiley, who went on to star in such things as Man of La Mancha and many, many 
fine Broadway musicals. He, at that time, I had seen him on one of his early productions of Man of La Mancha, and although he was in the scene <laughs> winding up killing me after I assaulted Miss Kitty, <laughs> <laughs> well. I didn't get a chance to talk to him very much. It was kind of a memorable uh, episode because the they reviewed it in the L.A. Times being the first episode of a new season, and they quoted one of my lines when I, I ripped the dress of Miss Kitty, and she slapped me, and my line was, ooh, I like that pepper in the stew <laughs> oh cletus could say that you know yeah <laughs> pepper in the stew <laughs> were there any actors that because uh, i always like hearing stories about very famous people and they just eat in the food line with everybody else like indiana i've always heard of harrison ford eats the food with the grips and you know was there some people that struck you like that 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 you were impressed by in that way yeah, um, several of them. Um, on Highway to Heaven, there were Victor French was that way, and, and so was um, um, the star of that show, whose name escapes me at the moment. He was he played uh, on Bonanza, who starred in Highway to Heaven and Little House on the Prairie. Not Lauren Green, no. No, the the younger one. Um, Michael Landon? Uh, Yes, Michael, Michael Landon. Landon Michael yeah. Landon. What an actor. Wonderful guy. Yes, he would he was very down to earth. And um so was Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Um I did a, a film with her called Anywhere But Here. Her and Natalie Portman were in that. And they would sit right down at the table with all of us and we'd chit chat and um she was terrific. Um, did she ask about I, me? I just wondered. She did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> and she kind of raised her eyebrow when she when she asked. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> Star Wars nerd, you know. <laughs> well, this is a here's a little anecdote about Susan Sarandon. She, uh, we had the rights for a long time to do the story of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is the psychologist, uh, the psychiatrist, actually, that defined the five stages of loss, anger, grief, denial, bargaining, and acceptance. Yeah, everybody kind of knows that, yeah. Yeah, so she was a very close friend, a very, very dear, dear friend. And for a long time, we were trying to make a movie about her life, and Susan Sarandon wanted to play her. So we're out for in, in Arizona where Elizabeth lived, and Susan came out to visit, and we had a great time. And then taking Susan back to her hotel, uh, she was on the phone with her younger son. At that time, it was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. And, and part of the conversation I heard was, oh, no, honey, no, no, no. Whoops. She said, oh, honey, no, no, no. They're just kidding. They couldn't sell Mountain Dew if it made your penis fall off. <laughs> he had heard that somewhere. Yeah, from his brother. <laughs> uh, his I have a question. What's I, that? I have a quick question. Sure. How come we're unplugged? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I Why aren't we plugged? Yeah, we're, well, we're unplugged. I guess it's kind of an MTV catchy type thing. Remember MTV uh, Unplugged? I, Tell us about Lee Majors, because I think 
you did a six million dollar man and that was one of his big shows yes um and about a year ago i i, I got i ran into really and we yeah uh we were at a um in fact we were at a autograph show in knoxville tennessee and uh he was there uh, along with another very close friend of mine uh, burt reynolds Bert was was a very close friend of mine, and uh, Lee Majors was a nice guy. We didn't know each other that well, but we did uh, talk about the episode that, <laughs> that I was on. I was playing a bad guy, and what I remember about that episode was the director's name Noam Pitlick, who I had worked for in commercials before, and in one scene, I'm supposed to be guarding the entrance to this cave or, or some hangout. So they turn the camera on, <laughs> and I'm walking back and forth. And the director, his his direction, his direction to me was, okay, guarding, 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 <laughs> walking, guarding, guarding, guarding. Like you needed that, you know? Yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> you're breathing, okay, and you're breathing. Right. Breathing. You're Breathing, guarding, guarding. Lee Majors and his lovely wife now live in Houston, Texas, and we talked about that. He plays golf at a course I know there in Houston, and um, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice reunion. Good to it see. Was, was not a um, particularly large uh, feather in my cap at the time. It was because it was a great show, and it still is. But um, it was, um, I did get to play a bad guy, which is fun. I didn't get to play a whole lot of bad guys. Yeah, well, it, you know, it, it's fun that you got to play a cop and a bad guy. You got to do both time, from time to right. time, right. you know. You well, you worked with the big guy. I got to ask you about Clint Eastwood, because you're in, in Line of Fire. True, 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 true. Um that was another it was one of the only jobs I, I didn't have to audition for it was funny because my downstairs neighbor in my condominium here was named a fellow named Jeffrey Apple who uh, was who wrote and produced that and one summer day we were just bobbing around in the pool out here and I said Jeffrey so what have you been up to and he said well I'm doing a picture with Clint Eastwood I said whoa that's really? a big deal <laughs> absolutely I said well you you got anything for me in it? He said, yeah, I, I think I got something you could do <laughs> while we're bobbing in the pool. Um, he said, yeah, there's a bartender in the scene uh, that we need. And so I showed up and I got to meet uh, Clint, who is <sighs> very, very low key. A lovely, lovely man. But man, you have to listen hard because he, he whispers even when he's not on screen. You know, when really? You're when you're talking to him in person, it's kind of like this. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, if I were if I were older, I would have probably gone, "Huh? What'd you say? What?" what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you feel lucky, punk? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Clint Eastwood. Oh, there was something on Facebook though. Did you see the one on Facebook with a picture of him playing the gun at the bad guy Andrew Johnson and with a mask on, saying? So, punk, you got to ask yourself, 
Am I standing six feet or five feet away? <laughs> Would you believe I actually made that? Did you? I'm the guy that actually photoshopped. If you go in there really uh, close, uh, you'll see my uh, S uh, Romine uh, real small. And I actually photoshopped well, I, that the other guy and put it out there. It's kind of taken fantastic. off. Well, I shared it. I, I spun it all around. <laughs> That's fantastic. All over the place. You worked on a, a what's that? It was great. I, I'm sure you made a movie that my kid, my sisters just wore this thing out in the '80s called a "Cat from Outer Space." Oh my goodness! <laughs> they would watching that thing all the t- that and the Navigator. And how did you come to be in that thing? <laughs> I love you pulling up all these obscure things of America. Oh, it's not obscure to me, man. No I know idea it. What I'm. Oh, it was a Disney film. It was a Disney movie. It sure was. And uh, that in itself was a coup because, you know, getting to be in a Disney Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. It's difficult. Uh, That actually came about just by auditioning. And I think my good friend, either Ronnie Shell and or McLean Stevenson, put in a good word for me. and we shot at night out in Encino, which was not too far from where I lived at the time. And um, Ronnie Shell was the voice of, of the cat, and McLean played uh, another role. But it was it was strictly a go in and audition and uh, wait for him to call. And it's so based I, on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I mean, who yeah. knew? With a slight adjustment, right? It, it, it was. It was. It was. I think it actually was a squirrel from outer space. <laughs> they changed it to a cat. Yeah, yeah that's what they, it was. They changed it. Was hey cat. Rick? Was there a chance that maybe you could have become a recurring character on Mash? Because you did more than one. You were like a sergeant that's, or a lieutenant or something. That's true, and it's funny you bring that up. Yesterday, uh, I spoke to Tom Wilpat, and he's. <laughs> He was cooking a pork chop on his back car, and he said, Hey, you're on MASH. <laughs> I said, Yeah. I said, Spoiler alert. Uh, he said, You're playing a lawyer. I said, Well, spoiler alert. I'm, I'm a fake lawyer. Ah. Um, uh, no, I think it was just what happened was, again, it was a go and audition and uh, wait to hear. And I got the role. It was great because it was based on the Tony Curtis film, The Great Pretender, which... Uh, here's a guy in the army that I play a guy named Sergeant Schaefer, actually Captain Schaefer, uh, who was trying to get, uh, what's his name, off uh, for Bank Klinger, get him out, out of the army by bringing up all these cases. But it, it didn't fly because I was not really an, a, a, an attorney. And what they did was they took that, it was in an episode, two episodes called Fade In and Fade Out, when um, McLean left and uh, David Ogden Stiers came in to be the thing. So that was the fade-in and the fade-out part. And then they also, very fortunately for me, added it to their hour special called Our Our Finest Hour. So there's a little bit of that in their retrospective. Um, that was also a great job. Harry Morgan was <laughs> such a treat. He's a guy that talked like this. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was he was a treat. He was on Dragnet uh, before that, I believe. 
That's right. Yeah, I remember Dragnet. Oh, you oh I love Dragnet. Stuff. Joe Friday and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And you did a, Very a cool. you did a you did a little house on the prairie. You were on oh, Happy yeah. Days. Yes, yes, yes. I loved the little house on the prairie. I got to play a Swedish guy. Gonna beat right that, in. Michael Landon on Carson or whatever, showing a clip of you. Right. It gets they, no better than that. Yeah. They hey, we're talking me. with Rick Hurst. We'll be right back here on Guadney Unplugged. Talk about the Dukes of Hazard next. Yeah. Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B. It is Guadney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Ooh, it's your sheriff. I'm with the Hazard County Sheriff's Department, and we've been defunded, so Cletus, we can only pay you 50% of 50% of 50%. Yes. Yeah, I'm a hot pursuit after those scoundrels and defunded us, sir. <laughs> that show yeah, will never die. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll never go away. It, it, that is part of Americana. How does it feel knowing that you are an action figure? <laughs> very strange, very, very strange experience, I have to say. <laughs> but but you were. I mean, me a company called Migo had the figure. Well, I think there's even a big figure of you now that came You're out right. a few years ago or so. That must be odd to hold like a figure of yourself. Yes, it is. It's very strange. I mean, the first time they came out, they were about four inches, and now they did come out with one that's like eleven inches or something. And it. it uh... <laughs> Do you have all that stuff? Know. Do you have some of it? I have some of it. I. I have a couple of those figures. Uh, actually, Ryan gave me one for Christmas one time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I think I have some T-shirts, and I have a yo-yo without a string. A Dukes of Hazard yo-yo. And I think I have, you know, a couple of cars and a lunch kit and some some stuff like that. If you got anything but, left uh, from the show, um, yes, I have my original hat. And I used to have an original shirt. I think I may still. And those uh, those are the only things I really had that I took away from the show. Doesn't it blow you away how these Dukes... Fa- I mean, Star Trek and Star Wars is big, but they don't wreck cars and all this stuff for thousands <laughs> of people. You know what I mean? I mean, it's... It's right. it's amazing how big this thing has continued to be. It truly is, Scott. I mean, it really is uh, uh, unimaginable. It's a blessing, and I 
it's manna from heaven. I thank God all the time for getting to be on this thing. But you're right. It's, you know, the stunt guys were the heroes of the show. And all of us in the cast knew that the first star on the show was the General Lee. I've always heard that Searle showed up to the set in a... And an old dirty brown jacket every day in a Volkswagen Beetle. And that it, when he went on personal appearances, he stayed in character the entire time. This is true. This is absolutely true. He, <laughs> um, he did drive that little brown Volkswagen Beetle. And he would uh, go into the dressing room and, and put on his white suit and all the padding. He wasn't really that heavy. Right. And, he, and of course, when he was on personal appearances, he did stay in character the whole time. But the funny thing was, if there were people waiting for get an autograph on the set, he would do that while he was in costume, and then he would disappear into his dressing room and come out much thinner and with a hat on and some glasses and walk right by people. They wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Were you familiar with the show or a fan of the show before you got on the show? Um, I had seen a couple episodes. Yeah, I had. I had seen a couple episodes. And it was, um, yeah, of course, back then, we, we had no clue that it was going to turn out to be what it was. Um but I was thrilled and delighted when I did get on the show because I got to work with Jimmy and Sorrel and uh, and Denver. And the first day I was ever on the show, the first thing we shot was a scene where uh, Sorrel and Jimmy Best and I are passing this bag of money around back and forth from each other. We didn't want to, you know, handle it because it's hot. You know, it's like illegal cash or something. And at that moment, at that very moment, while we're passing this money back and forth, we were improving, and I could tell, whoa, this chemistry is outstanding. These guys know the jokes. They are such consummate professionals. That <laughs> it was like playing in a jazz trio. It was just boom, 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 and we went on to play off each other for years. And you probably didn't get to improv that much on these other shows. Right. No, not so much. Not so much. So and, you've, you've, are you going to write a book? Because that's what we really want you to do is write a book about this stuff. <laughs> there's, there's already plenty of books out there. You know, uh, Jimmy's got his book out there, Best in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Ben Jones has his book out there, Redneck Boy in the Promised Land. Uh, well, what, what I'll hope to put out one day, I've kind of been working on it. It does include some stories and things, but what I've been working on is uh, you know, some short little essays and some poems. So uh, one of these days I might surprise people and come out with a book of poetry. You've got to <laughs> do it. I want to ask you, you've, you've got two sons, Colin and Ryan, and uh, Ryan has been all over the place here recently. Kind of tell us about, about your boys. Thank you for asking. Yeah, they're doing. They're both doing very well. Thank you. I've uh, been blessed. They're two just terrific, great kids. Um, Ryan is forty-four, and his uh, mom, my uh, first wife, is an acting coach and has had many, many uh, famous people in her classes. Kelly Preston being one of them. Kelly Preston was a student of my uh, wife, Candy. Um, and Ryan, instead of going to summer camp in the summer, he would go to 
acting class with his mom. And whenever the actor is working on stage, they need somebody off stage to say the other lines of the scene that they're working on. So Ryan would be that person. So Ryan kind of grew up in acting classes and then went on in high school to do uh, write and <laughs> direct and be in plays. He did a terrific version of, um, uh, oh, what's the guy with the big nose? Why am I forgetting his name? The Humpty movie. Hump. Anyway. No, that's not uh, it. It's a classical <laughs> <play>. <laughs> No, there's something wrong with me. Anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway, anyway go right. ahead. He, he, he is, he's doing great. He has done, Sons of Anarchy kind of put him on the map. He, he had done over. Saving Private Ryan. That was a pretty big deal. Yes, it was. Uh, and he, he had got to spend some time with Steven Spielberg on the set after he oh, wow. worked. In fact, I have a picture of him. Ryan, for people out there are listening in Saving Private Ryan, he plays the soldier with the damaged ear that shouts to Tom Hanks where he can go find uh, Private Ryan. That's one of the only kind of light moments in the film. But Ryan's got a picture of him with this makeup all down his ear, all this bloody mess on his ear, sitting with Steven Spielberg. And that's uh, uh, a great picture. That's priceless. Um, and um, so... From there, he did other films like um, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. Um, he did uh, Lady Killers with Tom Hanks. He did Rules of Engagement with uh, Jackson. Uh, Tom, I don't know, the, uh, well, the famous actor. Sure. <laughs> the black gentleman named... Um, and he also did... Um, gosh, he did so many films besides his television shows uh but recently uh more recently a few years back he was on a show called sons of anarchy playing a motorcycle guy oh yeah and, uh, and then he went on recently to do a few a couple of seasons of the walking dead where he played a bad guy in a, in a big mask and a suit and stuff beta uh beta yeah that's right beta oh yeah i've seen him um colin has uh Continued to go out on commercial interviews. He did a really good commercial uh, last year for Progressive Insurance. And I spoke about all those commercials that I did <clears throat> years ago. Man, I never made the kind of money they paid on the one that Colin did. Colin oh, really? Two or three times the kind of money I ever made on one commercial. But he's, um, he's oh, Ryan is married to his lovely wife, Molly, and they're planning a family. Uh, Ryan has about... 11 or 12 dogs also. Oh, meantime. wow. He's into it. <laughs> Colin and his beautiful lady, Isabel, they've been together six years, and they have a beautiful dog, Tyrion. So Colin is working at Starbucks as a barista and going out on commercial auditions and doing commercials. And I'm blessed. They're two of the best kids a person could ever hope for. Man, that's fantastic. Well, as soon as this... COVID-19 stuff can get behind us. I'm hoping that we can have you out going to signing autographs at Cooter's Place again and and all that kind of fun stuff. Absolutely. Uh, they, they won't be able to keep me away with a stick. 